Well, good morning. morning. It is good to see all of you this morning. As we um, have been in this series, you know, it's really interesting because I had intended to, you know, preach some of the messages, and I mean, I got the first one in, and then everything happened with my mother-in-law, and you know, I, uh, I know he's not here today, but can you give a hand for Pastor Santiago? I'll tell you, it was great to, you know, we jumped online every Sunday um, to watch the services, and, uh, you know, I even got to hear, it's funny, because we have a mic set up in the room, so I hear you, so you, you're heard when you're singing. It sounds really good, so don't, don't panic, but, uh, but it sound, I love the sound of the church, you know, to hear the people sing, and we, so we were with you, we were worshiping with you, and, and I got to, to watch, we got to watch the messages as well, and very encouraging, and, and very um, kind of foundational, nuts and bolts of what we're trying to really build and develop here as a church, who we're going to be, our DNA. And, you know, this whole One Another series is about that. And here's the thing, you know, we can, we got the cool graphics and the music, you know, at the beginning and, you know, when I was coming up here and we have all these things, but it's, it's another story when it actually comes to living it out, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we talk about things like unity, right? Unity is great when you agree on everything, I don't know if you did a count in this room or looked around at kind of the different faces. How many can agree that, you know, it's, we don't always agree on everything? Yeah? We agree on that, right? Okay. But the thing is, is we do agree on the things that are essential. We, we do agree on the things that are eternal and that have an eternal weight that matter. And because of that, and because we're committed to Jesus and because we're committed to his word, we are willing to walk in unity with one another, even through difficult times when we maybe don't see things the same way. And it's, again, that's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. How about loving other people? Now, I know you think that you're the most lovable person in the room, but you're not. <laughs> and if you need any encouragement, maybe the person next to you, if it's your spouse, might, you know, do this. Like, your breath was not lovable this morning. But, but to, to love one another, it's It's hard. But love is a commitment. Love is a choice sometimes. It's not that we, again, it's not that we always are getting along. You know, in fact, the Bible even takes it so far as to say we're supposed to love our enemies. <laughs> if you look at churches today, I think, you know, one of the greatest disservices is the fact that we're not loving each other well. We're not loving each other well. And the world sees that and they're like, why would I want to be a part of something like that when I have better out here? To be honest, people can find more love in a gang on the street and be accepted more sometimes than in a church. And I don't want this church to be like that. I want us to resemble and reflect what the word has called us to be. We are to love one another. We're supposed to walk in humility, right? How many people are humble in here? It's a trick question. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> You're proud of your humility. That's okay. We're supposed to walk in humility with one another. Sorry if I hurt anybody. I was just, I'm just teasing. Sorry. I've got three weeks worth of this stuff that has to come out, okay? So, sorry. We've got to walk in humility. And we, and we heard last week, as Pastor Santiago shared about acceptance from Romans 15, you heard this phrase, better together. We are better together than we are apart. Together does not mean just sitting in the same room together once a week. Together means that we walk together uh, through our lives, and we walk together through good times and through difficult seasons you all walked with me and are walking with my family through our time of sorrow and sadness. We're walking together. We're better together. He also said the phrase, you before me. You before me. 
One of my favorite moments, and it's entertaining to me, is when we're standing at the door, you're standing at the door, and you know, you may be holding it, and you're trying to get the one person to go in, and they're trying to get you to go in before them, and you sit there for five minutes, arguing back and forth on who should go first, right? That's what we want here. <laughs> Just don't do it at the front door, because it stops all the traffic, but... We're trying to, to serve one another. We're trying, again, to, to accept one another. And the whole idea last week was this acceptance. And it means that we accept people, but don't, you know, I think our society confuses that word sometimes with acceptance means we accept everything. We accept sin and everything. You just do whatever you do. No, we're going to accept you. We want to love you. But because we love you, we're going to, if there is blatant sin going on, we, we want you to address that. We want to address that. Why? Because we want you to, to walk in a life that God has intended for you. We want you to walk in the, the life that God has called you to. And sin, if there's sin in your life, we want to do that in a loving way to call that out. Amen? And I know that's hard. I know that's hard, but that's what we mean by acceptance. And so today we're going to talk about our a final point of one another in this one another series. And again, there's many one another phrases, but we try to kind of just group some of them and just take some of the key ones and today, um, we're going to be getting into our last one. And as we do, I want to begin by reading this scripture from Colossians chapter 3, because it, I think it's one of the best uh, passages that snapshots kind of everything we've talked about and are going to talk about today. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12. It says, put on then, right? It begins with, put on then. All right? Anybody bring a jacket with them today? Okay, if you didn't, it's because you didn't put it on, right? And I, I, I want us to just really dial in the fact that there's, there's an option that we can put on, but there's an option that we don't, you understand? There's something that we must put on. So he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what? What are we putting on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven given you, so you sometimes might want to forgive. Is that what it says? What does it say? You must forgive. Can we all get, there's no option here. I don't want to burst a bubble, but there's no option. You also must forgive, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We see humility. We see love. And we also see this, this idea of, of unity and acceptance with binding everything together. We see, again, this picture of what the church is supposed to be, but right in the middle there, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. And that's where we're gonna be headed this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, Lord, just your faithfulness. And God, just as we've sung this morning, um, just in, in many different songs in different ways, Lord, just acknowledging you as our Messiah, Lord, the one who saved us. God, who, who extended your forgiveness to us first. God, we are so grateful for that because, God, we uh, did not deserve it. But God, uh, you are just amazing and, and a loving God. And so God, we are grateful for it. So God, I pray today that your word would truly minister to our hearts, that it would change our lives. And God, that it would give us uh, something, Lord, to put into practice, Lord, as we leave this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So talking about forgiveness, a gifted writer a few decades ago once penned these words that I would like to share. These times are so uncertain. There's a yearning undefined. People filled with rage. We all need a little tenderness. How can love survive in such a graceless age? The trust and self-assurance that can lead to happiness They're the very things we kill, I guess. Pride and competition cannot fill these empty arms. There are people in your life who've come in and gone. They let you down, you know they've hurt your pride. You better put it all behind you, because life goes on. You keep carrying that anger, it'll eat you up inside. Anybody with me yet? Okay, got two of you, yep. Got a little tune going in your mind. I'm not gonna sing it, I'm just gonna keep reading. Maybe the rest of you get on board. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness, forgiveness, even if you don't love me anymore. How many are on board now? A few more. That gentleman, of course, was Don Henley of the Eagles. The the music goes along with the music a little better maybe. But it's interesting, I mean, you, probably for a while, you're like, man, this is really good. This is deep, which it is, it is. You know, we probably just sing this song and don't really think about it. But here's a guy, now, it's, to my knowledge, and as far as I know, he wasn't a believer when he wrote this. But think of what he was saying here, right? And I love it. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness, even if you don't love me anymore. That's incredible, right? That somebody outside of, you know, a relationship with the Lord is, is realizing that I have to forgive this person even if they're not, they don't love me anymore. Even if they're not being kind or, or, or gentle to me, I need to extend that forgiveness because it's important. And so, you know, today we're going to be looking, I want to go into a chapter in Matthew chapter 18 of the Bible And we're going to look at this a little more about forgiveness. And it's so important, again, to understand there's this misconception that, you know, if I if I extend, I need to do something to that person. My not extending forgiveness, I need to kind of get them. They don't deserve it, right? Not realizing what it does to us as we hold on to it, to unforgiveness, right? And, you know, there's, I think in our world, it, there, are, there are times and there are places where I think people try to justify unforgiveness. They try to say, well, in this case, no, you don't, you don't need to forgive that person. Do you remember what we read earlier? Was there a choice in our forgiveness? No, there wasn't. So let's get into the scripture here and see what it says as, as we, we look at this idea of forgiving one another. Now, as we approach, we're going to read from the last part of Matthew 18, but I want to just kind of give a little snapshot of what was in front of that, because I think that's important to look at things in context. Um, It begins in Matthew 18 and talks about humility, right? Go figure. (laughs) It talks about humility. And really, that's a start of things. You know, that's that's understanding, you know what, that that I make mistakes too. I'm not a perfect person, and Recognizing, you know, and to walk in humility, that's, that really forgiveness can, can that's a, an environment forgiveness comes out of. And then it moves from humility to a concern for the lost. 
You know, and this is all Jesus' words. He's talking about, you know, if, 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 uh, if somebody if loses uh, the sheep or whatever, wouldn't a shepherd go and find them, you know, and things like that. There's that, that how important that is and how he would rejoice over that one sheep that is, that is brought back than over the 99 that never went astray. You know, it's important about, again, being, always being concerned for the loss. And then it goes into probably one of the favorite chapters of, of everyone. It's church discipline. <laughs> yeah? We actually have a script for that, believe it or not. We're supposed to walk by this. Can I just tell you something as your pastor? I would say probably 80 plus percent of the time, believers don't walk according to this. Since being at this church, I've had some, some folks have, have even been upset with me and they've left the church without ever even trying to talk to me about whatever it is that I, I hear about that I did through like 10 other people, it comes back to me. Let me ask you a question, does that line up with scripture? Pastor Dell, you're not being very nice. No, listen, I, I will, there are hills I will die on and I will always die on the hill of the word of God. And it's not always easy. And I'm not saying even I've, I've, I've missed it before when I've been a part of churches. If you have something against somebody in this place, in this room, in this body, and you call yourself a believer and you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, you do not have the option to talk to other people and to murmur and, or to just go without at least trying to address it according to Matthew 18. In fact, I've preached on this before. Uh, I think our sermon our series was the Bible doesn't say that. But this is where you find that if two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. Why? It's, it's in church discipline. <laughs> because God knows that his, his spirit has to be very present to be able to walk through that because it's not easy, Right? So I would encourage you, you know, to look through Matthew 18 and say, you know, if, if there's an issue, are you walking it out according to what Matthew 18? And this is what's in our, 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 our guidelines and what we do here, what, how we function as a church, is, is, is just, it's Matthew 18. So again, this is important. But all of that stuff I've said till this point is leading up to what I want to get to in, in verse 21, where we're talking about forgiveness. And okay, again, go figure, right? Church discipline. There's something wrong. You go to that person. What's supposed to happen? Forgiveness, right? So it's all building. So let's jump into verse 21 of Matthew 18. And I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, so we'll just kind of go through again. Jesus is going to be speaking here. It says, Then Peter came up, to, came up and said to him, came up to Jesus and says to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I mean, Jesus, I mean Peter's thinking seven times, number of perfection, completion, right? I'll do it seven times. And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And again, depending on your translation, it's worded, it can be worded a little different. It, don't get caught up in 77. He's saying you forgive as many times as it takes, all right? Now, he's gonna go into a parable, and again, really quick, parables are stories, right? They're stories to teach a principle, to teach something uh, that, that needs to be understood. What we just read is the whole reason for this parable, so we're gonna move into this parable with the understanding he's answering still this question of how many times to forgive somebody and why we should forgive somebody over and over, okay? So verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children. Got real, real quick, didn't it? To be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and, and payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is pretty deep stuff. It's pretty, pretty thick here, isn't it? And it's pretty clear what he's saying. You know, again, it's, it's a story, but it's, it's, we see this picture of this, this king, and we see this servant who owed him much, and then he forgave him, and then what did he do? He turned around and went over something very small and trivial and didn't extend forgiveness, even put his hands around the throat of the guy. Listen, I, I want to begin by saying forgiveness can be difficult because oftentimes, right, the, the offense comes from someone close and oftentimes even from somebody we love, right? He's saying brother here, you know, and again, in the, in the church here, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and some, some of the greatest hurt is church hurt. I think, you know, some of that's on us because I think we put such high expectations on people. And I'll, 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 be, I'll, I'll be right here at the front, first one in line to say, you know, I'm, I'm your pastor and sometimes there's high expectations put on me, but I'm, I'm a human being just like you are. I make mistakes just like you. And, and this is why I, even what I shared earlier, you know, I, I wish sometimes people would come to me <laughs> if I've said something or if, you know, I didn't see you, maybe I didn't see you in a store and you feel like I walked by you and didn't say hi or something like that. I mean, people left churches over that, you know that? Well, Pastor So-so, they didn't, they didn't say hi to me at the grocery store. <laughs> But again, we, we have to, to work through forgiveness with one another. And sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it is very hard. But sadly, you know, again, for some of us here, you know, a lot of times within the four walls of the church, much damage has been done to one another. We don't see one another. We don't see what our actions do to somebody else in the body of Christ. And this is what we want to address Address today. You know, when we don't properly address forgiveness in our life, and what I was saying earlier, you know, is when we hold on to unforgiveness, it doesn't just stop with that one relationship. It starts to spill into everything. Because unforgiveness, if not dealt with, it really leads to bitterness. And if you've ever met a bitter person, you'll hear them talk, and if you, 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 can, if you can navigate through a little bit and get past maybe that, what's at the outside there's some root, something back 
from some point, somebody did something to them, they held on to it, they never let it go, and it just created this real bitter person that just sees everything through this lens of bitterness. And it's, and it's, it's sad. It's sad to see that. And, you know, here in this, this passage here in Matthew 18, I, I want to just take just a couple moments um, to just touch on three aspects from this parable. And today I am going to, as we finish up today, I, I want to give you some real practical just real practical things to put into practice in your life, especially in the area of forgiveness. So I want to make sure we have time for that. So I'm going to kind of hit the gas a little bit, and we're going to run here a little, and then we'll slow it down again. But first thing I want to just look at is the size of the debt in this parable. 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, okay? Let me just give you, you read that, and it's a lot, but maybe you don't quite understand. One talent was worth 20 years of wages for the average laborer. One talent. In case you want to whip out your calculator or whatever, the person here owed more than they could ever, they owed, it would have taken them, you know how many years? 193,000 years to pay back what was owed in this parable, okay? Large number? Yes, right? Basically, you can't do it, right? It's impossible. There's not a, <laughs> enough time in, in a life, in many lifetimes, but again, remember, as we, we look at this parable, it's being told in a story fashion to get this point across about forgiving someone, right? Releasing them of this debt, if you will. The debt in this parable is reflective of the size, really, of the debt of our own sin in our lives, right? That's what he's trying to get across, the, the fact that we forgive because we were first forgiven, right? God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life, right? John 3, 16. Did we deserve that? Why did he, what's the whole reason Jesus came? It started with forgiveness of sin. Like, how, how, do, we, how do we bridge this gap between God the Father and where we are when there's sin? Forgiveness had to come into play somehow. There was a price to be paid, and forgiveness had to be given. And so that's what we see happening here, and that's what we see, again, is the cost 193,000 years. You see, while forgiveness, extending forgiveness should be found prevalent amongst Christians, listen to this, uh, this Barna study. It's interesting to note that according, again, to this recent Barna study, listen to this, only about 50% of Christians believe they have received unconditional, joyful forgiveness from another person who had hurt them, upset them, or sinned against them. Only 50% of the people believe they've received that. That means half of the church <laughs> feels they, if they've done something wrong, that forgiveness was never extended to them for what they had done wrong. Half. Now let me ask you this. Everybody has a body here, right? <laughs> okay. All right. I hope you're, yeah, unless you're here in spirit, that's great. If your body is not communicating properly, right, with all of its parts, how is that going to function, Right? If, if something happens where, you know, your brain can't function or, or can't tell your foot to take a step or maybe you don't have your balance or you don't have the strength, if your body is not functioning properly, how do you accomplish the things that you need to accomplish unless, you know, from an outside source somehow, right? In the body of Christ, 
if we are not working together, if we're not functioning properly, how is the body of Christ supposed to accomplish what the Lord has set us out to do? How is it supposed to function together? And unforgiveness is one of the main things that, that drives wedges, that, that breaks the body up to where it can't function properly. And, you know, here we're seeing this, this what's, what's going on, that, that it starts with us understanding what we've been forgiven of. That there was a debt that we could not pay, right? There was, there, it was the, the magnitude of our sin was so great that we could never have paid for it ourselves. And, and then there's this, there's this thought and this idea in the church, and, and again, in one sense it's right, in one sense it can be wrong, because we, we are set free from our past when we come to Christ. He sets us free, and I 100% affirm that, agree with that, and I think that's how we should live our lives. We don't have to, we're not bound by our past, amen? But let me tell you something. <laughs> Every vehicle, when you're driving, your primary focus is out the windshield. It should be anyway, right? But you have rearview mirrors that are good to check from time to time. And I just want to say here today, and, and you know, this is something, again, you know, if you take it to the extreme, it's wrong. But never forget where you come from in the sense of what, what God has set you free from, what he delivered you from. Why? Because if you do and you say, well, that was that, or maybe you, you, know, maybe you lived a, a decent life before coming to the Lord. And you say, well, you know, I wasn't that bad. I never killed anybody or robbed a bank or... What it does is it diminishes what sin is and the cost of it. Never, never diminish the price of your sin and my sin. Because when you look at that cross, understand that there was a great price that was paid on that cross to set us free. And when we don't understand our sin to the fullness of it, and again, not that it still has control over us, it, it lessens that, doesn't it? Even to the point, again, you know, we, we make it so, and again, we're not setting up like a gauntlet or, you know, an obstacle course to come to the Lord. And we say, well, just say this prayer. And, and yeah, and that, that's true in one sense if your heart means it. But understand where, where you're coming from and what God is setting you free from. Because that cross did not come easy. Right? The cross did not come easy. And so, again, here we see the size of the dead, and we need to understand that we were forgiven from much, and so how much more sh quickly should we extend forgiveness over one thing, right? Number two, I also want us to just take a quick look at the heart of the unforgiving servant. We see a heart that is prone to selfishness, and if we all are honest here, if, 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 you know, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but we can all fall into that at times, right? We're just wired that way by nature. We can be selfish. I'm the youngest, right? It just flows through me, and I have to like put it to death all the time. I was the youngest of four boys, so I can be selfish. My brothers never fail to tell me the stories of when I would we would get donuts, right? And it was you know it was Hunger Games in my house. I mean it was survival of the fittest, and so I was the smallest, and so I'd have nutty donuts were my thing, right? The old cake kind. I'd have one donut here have one donut here while I had a donut in my mouth. Come on, somebody talk to me now. <laughs> hey, I'm here. <laughs> I didn't go hungry, I can tell you that. Whenever Thanksgiving happened, 
you know, there wasn't two passes of the, the, the food when it went by. You know, it went by the first time. You got what you needed. The only safe place for food was in my stomach, right? Because my brothers were much bigger than me. <laughs> my closest one brother was five years older than me, and he could easily take my food. So, so I'm here today because I was a two-fisted donut eater, all right? But if I'm not careful, I can default to that selfish, right? Because it's about me. Even still, you know, I've got a baby, you know, one-year-old now, and he's got to eat, and me and Leanna have this talk all the time. She's probably watching today. Um, and, you know, I, it's my food, <laughs> you know? And I'm having, like, flashbacks of my childhood, and I'm like, dang it, this kid keeps eating, and he won't stop, you know? Pray for me, but, but we're prone to selfishness, aren't we? We are prone to selfishness, and, you know, again, this unforgiving servant, he, I don't think he fully grasped the size of the payment required, because if he did, he would have been walking in so much humility, and he would have said, no, forget it. You're, I mean, what the guy owed him, it was like nothing. It was like pocket change, and he had him thrown in prison after he almost choked him out to death, Right? So again, his heart didn't understand. And again, he didn't wholly comprehend the undeserved kindness that the king showed him. That the king didn't owe him anything. In fact, he owed him everything. He was going to take his life, his wife's, his kids, everything from him. And he extended that forgiveness. The king responded again. What did the king respond to? What did he see in that servant? In that moment was brokenness and humility. And it moved the king's heart to say, you're, you're, you're forgiven of, of all that you owe. And the same is true with our, our God today, with, with Jesus, you know, as we, we worship him. And what moves God's heart is to see our brokenness and our humility and recognizing, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to do something here. And when it comes to forgiveness, I need you to help me to forgive because I can't do it in myself. And maybe what was done was horrific to you. And I don't want to water down any of that. Because this world today, I mean, this world all the time, it's, it's not changed. It's just more, we see it more because of, you know, media and everything else. There's evil in the world. Horrific things are done to people. Horrific, horrific things are done to children. So I don't want to take away anything that you've experienced in your lifetime that it was, that it was okay and that's just, just forgive it. No, it's, it's not. It may not be physically possible in your own human strength. But if you're a follower of Christ and you've accepted Christ into your heart and you walk with the Lord and his spirit dwells in you, he can give you the strength to move to that place of letting that, that person or those people go and say, you don't owe me anything anymore because I've been set free. And so I, I want to just acknowledge that it's not easy, but let not, don't let your heart become like this servant that we see here. And the third part I wanted just to take a, a brief look at is the heart of the king. Obviously, the king here is, is our Lord. He had pity on the servant. He released the servant and forgave him of his debt. You see, only the king had the ability to release the servant from what was owed, right? No one else could do that. Why? Because the debt was owed to who? The king. Our sin, when we have the debt of sin, when we are in our sin, there's only one person that can set us free from that sin. The world chases every single other option, every single other thing, fills their lives you know, with stuff to just not have to think about it. But you can't outrun your sin. 
Why do you see CEOs and all these high-ranking officials and companies and stuff falling one after another, after another, after another? They get caught in corruption. They get caught chasing money. They get caught chasing girls. Everybody heard the three Gs, right? Let me give you just a nugget of truth here. If you want to be successful in life, three things you don't chase, the three Gs, right? The gold, the glory, or the girls or the guys, whichever one applies, right? Gold, glory, and girls. And that's, yeah, that's what you see, and you see person after person falling and failing. Because they've not come to the one that can truly change their lives. They've not come and brought their sinful nature to that person, to Jesus, the one that can take that from them and put a new person inside, fill them with his life everlasting. So when that servant was released from his debt, who ultimately paid for the debt? The king. Here's the deal. It's not like, you know, it just vanishes, right? You know, if somebody says, hey, man, can you buy me lunch and I'll, I'll get you back later? And you say later on, like, you know, they're like, hey, man, sorry, I haven't got it back to you. You say, hey, don't worry about it. Did lunch get paid for? And who paid for it? You did. <laughs> Your sin has been paid for. It costs something. All we had to do was accept that. <laughs> if somebody's buying me lunch, thanks. I just say thank you. <laughs> you know? How much more when our sin has been taken from us? It, but understand there was a cost that was paid and only one person because that debt was owed to him. We have been forgiven because God, the Father, sent his only son, Jesus, as our ransom, as our payment to die on that cross for our sin. So remember the purpose, again, of, of, of this parable is to teach the depth of what is found in those first two verses when Peter was asking how many times to forgive somebody. That's what the whole, all of this is being kind of driven home. When we don't have an accurate picture of our sin, we can't understand the high cost of sin or the greatness of Jesus' love for us because you see the amount of, that it costs, that payment that, that took place for our sin is a reflection of the love that God has for us. High, amazing, great payment. High, amazing, great love that he has for you and for me. Mark 11, chapter 11. And Jesus answered them, verse 22. Listen, we see a couple things going on here. It says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not in his heart, uh, doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Right? So there we have faith, really. If you, if you have faith, this can happen, right? Tell a mountain to move into the sea, it will. It goes on in verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Right? So we see two things working there. The probably two of the things you will hear the most in any church and most sermons are prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Great, right? Everybody like prayer and faith? Now, there's another verse that comes behind it. 
that we never read, that we never say. <laughs> Verse 25 then comes in right behind that in the same breath and says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. <laughs> forgive us our trespasses as we Yes, it is in the Bible, and it is true. Could it be <laughs> one of the reasons we don't see answers to prayer sometimes in churches is that there's unforgiveness in the heart of God's people? Does it mean he doesn't love us? No. He wants us to get it right. But his word says Right here, he's like, I can't, I can't move. And there's other places in scripture where, you know, you need to go to that person before you come to me in prayer because how, you're, you're tying, you're not, not tying God's hands. He can do anything he wants, but just by this principle, he can't move. He can't bless you. He can't respond and, and move into action on your prayer if you're holding bitterness and unforgiveness towards your brother or sister sitting right next to you. How's your prayer life? Has, has it been a while since God's answered a prayer for you? You might want to search your heart. Unforgiveness is sin, church. It's sin. I hope you're glad I'm back still. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see, the beauty is you don't have to stay where you are. The beauty is, is that the Lord is with you and the Lord will give you strength and he will help you walk through. And he's given us a path in his word of what we're supposed to do if we just do it. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do you understand? This is the hill we're gonna die on in this church. I wanted to get it done before today, but because I was out of town for a while, we, we couldn't get it but we're going to have something on the wall that's going to be our, our house rules, and it's going to have some of these things that we've been covering in our One Another series. And this is what we're going to live by. This is what we're going to you know, eat, live, breathe, and die by, basically, in this church. Why? Because, listen, I think this is the greatest church ever, okay? Can I just say that? <laughs> I think you guys are wonderful people. And I... What I don't want, and you know, a lot of, you'll hear that in a lot of churches, you know, oh yeah, you guys, this is the greatest church. What I want is, I want to see a church, what, what would happen if we had a church that really walked and lived according to the word of God across the board? Every person. What would happen? It's, it's a work in progress, Right? <laughs> We're all, you know, as, as, as soon as one of us walks in the door, as soon as I walk in the door, it's, the church is imperfect. It's not a perfect, we're not a perfect church. But man, what if we just loved one another? What if we just walked the way that the word of God has called us to walk and to do it right? What could God do through us? That's what he's looking for. 
That's what he's looking for. And I'll tell you, you know, I think a lot of times in the church of, of old, in the early church, and even in churches where, you know, you, you see all these stories of churches that are being persecuted and, and the amazing things God is doing. You know why I think that happens? Is because they don't have the time to be bickering with one another because they're, they're being persecuted, you know, and they, they don't know if they're going to last another day, literally. They wake up, and this might be my last day on earth. Right? So just understand that, and, and, and you know, understand that we want to definitely work towards this and, and walk this out. Because, again, forgiveness is tremendously difficult at times, but we are still called to walk in it nonetheless. And so what I want to do as we prepare to close, the musicians can start moving forward. Just to give you some practical kind of things. Here's, here are some reasons we don't forgive, all right? I want you just to keep your eyes here. First, the offense was too great, right? Whatever was done was, it's just an, the unforgivable sin, so to speak. It seems impossible, But it's, it's not with the Lord, all right? Nothing is impossible with God, and he will walk you through that. I'm not going to say it's going to be a one-and-done kind of moment. It may not, but you need to walk through that. Another reason we don't forgive here, she is, isn't truly sorry or acknowledging responsibility. He or she will do it again. They might. They, it's possible. They should come to me. They started it. How about that one? I don't like him or her. You still need to forgive him. Right? I'll forgive, but I'll never forget that God says as far as the east from the west, right, he's removed sin. I'll be a hypocrite if I forgive because I don't feel like forgiving. Forgiveness is not a feeling. (laughs) Right? Just like love, sometimes love is a choice. It's not just how I feel. I'm choosing to love in this moment. I'll, if I forgive the offense, I'll have to treat the offender well. Ever heard of loving your enemies? <laughs> Someone has to punish him or her. Who's the best person to do that? God. God will take care of that. God will do what he needs to do. He or she did it deliberately. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. We don't know, especially if you haven't talked to them. Here's some things forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not approval. Forgiveness is not excusing or transference of responsibility. You know, it's, it, it was my fault, not yours. It's not, what it's, it's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not saying the offense is of no importance. Forgiveness is not a commitment to relate to one another in the future. It doesn't mean you have to walk hand in hand to the grocery store and, and you know, pick out ice cream sandwiches together. You don't need to do that. But you need to forgive. Forgiveness is not ceasing to be appalled that it happened, whatever that is. Forgiveness is not selective attention, ignoring the bad and focusing on the good. Forgiveness is not tolerance. It does not mean that I have to trust them again. It does not mean that it wasn't painful or doesn't still hurt. It does not mean that there are no consequences. It does not mean that it was okay to God that it happened. God sees it. He saw it. He sees your pain. He's not trying to diminish that. 
It does not mean that you aren't justified in being angry. It does not mean that you shouldn't tell the other person you are angry. It does not mean acting as if nothing happened. It does not mean coexistence or reconciliation even. Sometimes there can't be reconciliation, but forgiveness still needs to happen. And that's in your court, to forgive that person. It has nothing to do with fairness or being right or wrong. Listen, forgiveness is such a broad thing, and whatever the offense was, and again, as I said earlier, there could be something very horrific done, and I'm not saying, again, it's not always easy. It's not just about you sat in somebody's seat or something like that. It can be much deeper and much more devastating, and sometimes it's a process, and if you'll just enter that process and start the process and let the Lord just open up those areas of your heart, you'll experience a freedom like you've never felt before. So here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a vertical transaction between myself and God. You see, when you're holding that, that you think is against that person, you're blocking this as well. Forgiveness is acknowledging the wrong done, the reality of being sinned against. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Forgiveness is letting the offender off the hook with full awareness of our own pain, but saying that they don't owe me anything anymore because I've been given everything I need through Jesus Christ. And forgiveness is turning that offender over to God. Who do you need to forgive today? Where in your world, where in your life have you been holding this unforgiveness in your hearts? Typically, it's directed three places. One, you know, one of the hardest things is, you know, some people have to forgive God, meaning, not meaning he did something wrong, but a lot of times we give him credit for things that he never did. You understand? If he does something, you you think that God caused this. God is perfect and he is love and everything he does is for us. And so understanding sometimes we have to to, to remove that misconception of, of what we think God did. We also need to forgive others. And the third one and probably the most difficult at times is to forgive ourselves. Because sometimes we're the one, right? Sometimes we're the one. So just to, again, wrap up everything, you know, again, we've done this whole One Another series. I hope you'll go back and listen to them again and just get them in your heart and put them into practice. We talked about unity. We talked about love one another. We talked about humility. We talked about acceptance. And today we've concluded with this forgiveness. And it's probably, it might be one of the hardest ones. But we've been forgiven to forgive, amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each person in this place. I thank you for each person watching online. And God, I thank you, Lord, that, God, you have met us, Lord, in the place that we're at. God, I realize the offenses and the things that have been done wrong to people. God, it can be such a spectrum and and so devastating even at times. But Lord, we thank you that you are God who has first shown us forgiveness, Lord, of our sin. You've extended that to us when we did not deserve it. And God, I pray that that's where we start. We're looking full on at what we've been forgiven of. And so God, we just pray, Lord, for that reality to set in. And God, just throughout this message today, I pray that whatever has come up in our hearts, if there's somebody that we need to seek forgiveness with, God, I pray that we'll put that into motion. God, for those who maybe aren't comfortable going to a person, Lord, if they were to talk to myself or one of the elders or even another brother or sister in Christ to go with them, but it's important, Lord, that we, we, we clear those things. 
God, we're called to it. You've called us to do that. And again, Lord, we understand that there are situations where, again, maybe there's, it's not safe, Lord, to go to that person, but it still doesn't mean that we can't forgive them in our hearts of whatever was done. God, I pray that you would give us all the strength, Lord, to release those, those people in those places, Lord, once and for all, so that we may experience life and, and the fullness of it. God, I thank you for, again, just all that you've done through this series in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that we would truly be a church who walks with one another, who loves one another, and we walk in a way that's according to your word, and that we are an example, Lord, to the world around us. We thank you for this time today, in Jesus' name.